Good morning, everyone. It is, it is a good morning, isn't it? It is. It's a great morning. I love um, this time of year. I like the coolness. I like the, the better, not humid days. It's just really, really so nice to be around the place. And what better place to be than in the house of the Lord as we worship and celebrate um, him today, because that's what it's all about. We're about to start a brand new series. It's be a six-week series that we're looking at. We've I've called it airplane mode. And some of you will know what airplane mode is. Some of you won't. That will determine an, a generation, I'm pretty sure. But there may be some asking, what is airplane mode? And I haven't got my phone on me or anything this morning, but... If you've ever been on a flight, on an airplane flight, one of the first things that you're told to do is to switch your mobile devices to airplane mode or off. And if you're unfamiliar with how to do that, you probably haven't been on a flight for a long time. And what airplane mode does or is supposed to do, there's some argument whether it actually is effective or not, but what airplane mode does is switches off your phone's ability to connect to the internet or to the outside world as it's, as, as it's supposed to do. And some of you probably have put your phone on airplane mode by mistake and then your phone doesn't do what it's supposed to do and then you don't have what you want. It's meant to prevent, and this is the theory behind it, it's meant to prevent um, your phone or device or whatever it is you're using interfering with the plane's automatic flight controls, potentially sending that plane to the ground. And if you're conscious about wanting, not wanting to die today, that's probably a good idea. But it switches off your ability to connect with the outside world and focus on the surroundings and there's a lot of things that will go. There are some things that are changing in that, but that's the essential part of airplane mode. And I, I have called our series airplane mode because I would love for us in some way, and you need to work out how to switch to airplane mode, but to switch off from the busyness of life and the noise of society and the distractions that this world give us or gives us all the time and, and put ourselves in airplane mode for a while and focus on talking and listening to God. We're going to be speaking over the next few weeks about prayer and to be able to switch off from the, the noise of society and to realign our thinking into where God wants us to be. And distraction in, in every sense, I think, is a curse of modern life. It, there are so many distractions that we can have. And it's, they're not all bad. They're not all wrong. They're just distractions from what we are supposed to be doing. Between our mobile phones and computer screens, not to mention kids and work and co-workers and all of those things, they can all fall into the category of a distraction. And our attention is constantly being diverted away from what we are supposed to do. It can become difficult at times to, 
to focus on any one task because we're multitasking. It's a thing. And I don't, I'm not sure that it's a good thing, but it's, it's something that, that potentially or apparently men can't do, but women can. I don't know if that's true or not. Some women are shaking their head. Some men are nodding. But it's, it's a thing. We shouldn't really need to multitask, but and we can't afford to multitask when we're focusing on the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what I'm looking for us to be able to do over these next few weeks. These, this whole series is going to culminate in a week-long time of prayer. We're going to meet at the church every day for a week, Monday through Saturday at least, for prayer. And I want to encourage you to set that, that week aside, starting on the 12th of June, through till the Saturday. We're going to one hour a day, just one hour. We're going to look at spending some time in prayer here at the church uh, between five o'clock and six o'clock each night. And I want you to start planning for that now. I want you to know about it. I want you to plan for it because it's going to be, I believe, one of the most powerful things that we could do to switch off our lives into airplane mode and focus on what God really wants us to be doing. And I'm confident that when we are able to do that, if we are serious about knowing and understanding what God wants us to do, that we will and we need to take the steps that he wants us to take and have the communication with him that has to be realistically without these distractions, not worried about what's coming up, not worrying about what's happening, but to switch off. And the reason that we need to be without distraction is because we're, we're in a battle. And, and some of you might, the observant ones, at least would have noticed this breastplate and sword beside me. And we are literally in a battle. And, and this is a real sword, but it's, it's actually what we need, not a physical sword, but the Word of God tells us that it is the Word of God is a sword alive and active. And we need to recognise that we are in a battle. We'll read the Ephesians passage very, very shortly. But the reality is that we are in a spiritual battle. And we need to understand that. We need to understand that. The battle's not with our kids, although you have battles with your kids, I'm sure. It's not with your co-workers. We are in a spiritual battle. And asking God to win the battle for us is the wisest place to be because a spiritual battle we can't fight, at least on our own. And it, even the wisest thing to do, going to the Lord Jesus Christ, will not prevent us from coming under attack. We need to recognise that we are listening, we are attentive. We need to be listening to how our Commander-in-Chief is guiding us so that we can be successful. We might not recognise it immediately, but slowly and surely we will, we will all be consumed by distractions if we're not aware of them right now, rather than being attentive to what God is wanting to tell us. So this morning is really, in fact, most of this series is going to be a very practical series. It's, 
It's looking at why we need to pray, how we need to pray, who we need to pray for. We're going to be doing some practical stuff through this series because I believe, and we'll talk about it in a minute, but prayer is the prayer group at least or the prayer time for a church should be the most best attended group ever of all the ministries. If we are not serious about that, then we have something out of priority organisation. We really do need to do that. So the first point, if you're taking notes on your devices, if you're on the Version app, it's in there. If you're on our online church app, you're in, it's in there. If you're in service here, you've probably got a paper copy, but you can use any of those things as well. But the first point is who are we in the battle with? I've already alluded to it. The one that we are in a battle with is out to steal, kill and destroy the word of God out of your life. That's what he wants to do. He wants to steal, kill and destroy God's word so that it's ineffective in your life. And if we're not praying and we're not taking it seriously, then we are at risk of being defeated in this battle. Ephesians 6.12 is the verse I referred to just before. We're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world against mighty powers of this dark, in this dark world and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. And to fight the fight against the evil rulers of the unseen world and the spiritual realm, we need to, we absolutely need to call upon and be attentive to the one who has authority and the ultimate authority in that area. We don't have authority in the heavenly realms. We really don't, except through the Lord Jesus Christ. The battle is not even between us and the devil. The battle's not even between us and anyone, but we have been caught up in it because of who God is, but who we are in Christ. It's not against us necessarily. We are being unknowingly perhaps at times being used as a pawn in the battle that is much greater than we even realise, I believe. Satan is out to steal, kill and destroy God's word out of our lives so that we become ineffective. And the battle is not with us. His battle is with God himself. And as his children, we get caught up in the process. So it's, it's not about you and I. This is a much bigger problem or battle that we need to address than just what's happening in this world at this moment in time. The real battle is between Christ and the Antichrist. It's between the one who is truth and the one who is father of lies. It's between spirit of truth and the deceiving spirits. And ultimately, it's between life and death. And we need to understand that because it's really, if we don't, let me backtrack just a second. If we don't understand that, we are in jeopardy of failing to communicate and pray and see the importance and the priority of prayer that it needs to have in our life. And that's a problem. So we have absolutely no self-ability 
to, to, fight, <clears throat> excuse me, to fight against the intensity of the spiritual realm. But when we choose, when we have chosen to stand on the side of truth, when we have given our hearts to the Lord Jesus Christ, when we have aligned ourselves with him, we put ourselves in a direct path of attack and we become the target. That's what's the problem or that's, the, that's what's happening. The father of lies, Satan, is targeting us to get back at what God has done and doing. And that's why Paul goes on in the passage in regards to the, the armour of God. It says, therefore, put on every piece of God's armour so that you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you, can still, you will still stand firm, stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth, the body armour of, of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. In addition to all of these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And it doesn't finish there because it goes on and it says, pray in the spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. Part of our armour of God is to be on our knees in prayer. And if we don't understand that, we're missing a vital part of putting on the armour of God. We are to put on our spiritual armour and that armour includes the Word of God. It includes prayer and the reality is that those two things go together. They have to always go together. But part of prayer is also listening to God through his word. And we'd better understand that our enemy is real. He's powerful. He's actually quite effective. And while we might not see him, he is actually there. And Satan and his demons are real. He's invisible yet powerful. He's intelligent and has a will of his own. And he uses human beings. And his will is to use us to impede the will of God upon his people. That's what he's doing. God is more powerful. Only God is omnipotent or powerful. Only God is omnipresent, present everywhere at the same time. Only God is omniscient, all-knowing. And when we place our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, we have victory over the enemy. We have that. The risk that we do sometimes, I think, or the risk that we have, is that we give Satan too much credit. We attribute too much to him when I don't know that it's always, he just allows things to happen. We do it our own, our own way sometimes. And it's only when we spend time in prayer, communicating with our commander-in-chief that we are able to know and understand what he wants us to do. Recognising our enemy is the first step to know how to fight because if we don't know who we're fighting, what is going to happen and what Satan wants us to do is to start fighting each other. 
We get confused. You can read about all those confusion things in the Old Testament where the the enemy, in, in the case of Israel, fought against themselves. And that's what happens. In, in us as a church, when, when we're not focusing on what the battle is about and who the battle is about, that we start to fight, we start to argue, we start to divide ourselves. And no one is happier to see that happen than Satan himself. But while Satan has authority over this world, he only does it, does so because he has, it has been given to him. We need to recognise that. And even Satan admits this when he's talking with Jesus. Jesus is baptised. He's heading out in, or headed out into the desert for 40 days and nights and Satan confronts him in the desert and, he's, and the verse 5 of uh, Luke chapter 4 says, then the devil taking him up to a high mountain showed him, this is Jesus, all the kingdoms of the world and in a moment of time and the devil said to him, All this authority I will give to you and their glory, and listen to these words, for this has been given to me or delivered to me. And I give it to whom I wish. Therefore, if you wish will worship me, I will give it to you, or all will be yours. Who gave him that authority over the kingdoms of this world? Well, the the reality of that is God did. He's the only one that has the authority over everything. In his sovereignty, God has given Satan limited authority over this world for a time. Even though Satan's sway in this world is undeniable, it's terrible, it's vast, the good news that he does not have ultimate power over everything. That's good news. And God does that. He is the one who has, <clears throat> excuse me, ultimate authority. He's the one that can defeat Satan and he's the one alone that we need to be aligned with. So when we go into this battle, we need to prepare ourselves by putting on the full armour of God. So that's who we're fighting. But what's the battle about? Well, strangely enough, the battle is not about you or I. I've already said that but about control over the heavens and the earth. Satan wants ultimate control. And that's where prayer becomes the focus because if if we who are aligned with the Lord Jesus Christ think that we have the authority to take on Satan in the heavenly realm, we need to think again. We really do. We don't have any authority over the spiritual realm. That belongs to God. We have been given authority over the things on this earth. That was given to us in Genesis. And the Genesis 1 passage says that God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea, birds of the air and over every living thing that moves upon the earth. It's in Genesis that we were given authority over the things on this earth and the, and the things about this earth. What happened When we took the fruit, we, because we, part of human beings, did that from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, we then then submitted to the rule of Satan. We, We denied God's word and we took on what Satan said. You don't need to do that. He's not being fair. That fruit looks good. You won't surely die. 
And so in that minute or in that moments of time, we submitted to the authority of Satan and we gave up our authority on this planet to him by doing that. We abdicated our authority and gave it to him. He then had authority over us and it was given to him as a consequence of sinfulness. And what Jesus did on the cross was to pay the price to buy us back for the rebellion that we had given right at the beginning, but he gave, he bought it back by the shedding of his blood that we might have salvation, we might have freedom, we might be restored. And as a result, we can take back the authority that was, that was given to us, that was taken away, we can take it back. When we give our life to the Lord Jesus Christ, Jesus not only paid the price for our sin, but he rendered Satan powerless against us in the process, giving us the freedom of the power of sin over our lives anymore. That's why Paul tells us that we should not let sin control the way that we live because we do not give in to sinful desires. He says, don't do that. Satan is still powerful. Don't hear me wrong. He's still deceitful. He's far more powerful than you or I on our own. We cannot deal with that in our own strength. The only way that we are able to to live free from the power of sin, the influence of sin on our life is to keep the line of communication with our commander-in-chief intact because we're going to fail otherwise. We're going to fall. That's why prayer is really so important. If we are not spending quality time in prayer, we are not putting on the full armour of God because it forms part of that armour. Individual prayer is vital and corporate prayer, I would suggest, is even more essential. When God's people pray in agreement with one another, powerful things happen in the spiritual realm. When we can come together as prayer warriors, praying in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, praying for one another in a corporate setting, the heart of God is moved. We have the authority, we have the power in Jesus' name to do what needs to be done to defeat what Satan wants to do. And the early church recognised their need of corporately meeting together regularly. On a daily basis, they did it to receive the teaching for prayer. And on top of that, they met in each other's homes and and met for meals and the Lord's Supper. Acts 2.46 describes that. And what happened to them as a result of their commitment and their faithfulness in this area? Well, verse 47 says... Each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Every day, each day that they, the Lord added to their fellowship because they worshipped together at the temple each day. They met in homes for the Lord's Supper and they shared meals in great joy with all this generosity. They prayed together, they met together, they shared together, they fellowshiped together and the Lord added daily to those who are being saved. And unless we understand the significance 
of the battle that we are in, we won't have the urgency to pray effectively. We, we become very naive or, or complacent or, or we lose track of what we're supposed to be doing. The scriptures tell us that that is Satan's goal to cause us to not think so seriously. It also tells us that his goal is to devour the followers of Jesus Christ. 1 Peter 5.8 says, stay alert, watch out for your great enemy, that's Satan, the devil, he prowls around like a roaring lion to get a pat on the head, looking for someone to devour. And he wants to get rid of all of those who are followers of Jesus Christ. He wants to destroy the work that God has done in yours and my life and others in our world and cause us to be ineffective to doing the work that we've been called to do. That's his motivation. And the only protection that you and I have against that is Jesus Christ. The only protection that we have is Jesus Christ. The only means that we have of knowing how to be or how to avoid being devoured by Satan and his demonic forces is to remain in a state of prayerfulness. That's why Paul tells us in 1 Thessalonians 5.17 that pray always, never stop praying, he says. Never stop praying. The reality is that if, if we're not praying, we're probably not taking the seriousness of this battle to heart. We're probably not. So let's understand that that we are in a battle, who we're in a battle against and what this battle is about because it's only then that we will have the urgency to actually stand our ground like we're told in Ephesians 6. So, And number three says, how do we win this battle? How do we win the battle? Well, that's probably more to the point now because we have already started to talk about that, but there's, it's a bit of a trick question. Because some of you are already thinking, I know, that the battle has been won. And you'd be right. The truth is that the war has been won and Jesus has claimed victory. There is nothing left to do, but there continues to be a constant battle between Satan and God and that involves you and I. We are on the winning side if we're with Jesus Christ. The, the constant battle is between Satan and the children of God. That's what Paul was describing in Romans 7. The things I want to do, I don't do. The things I don't want to do, they're the very things I do. I'm What a wretched man am I, he describes. This constant battle between the flesh and the spirit. And that's when he concludes in, well, he didn't have chapters, but in his letter to the Roman church in Romans 8 verse 1, he says, therefore, because of that, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There's always the possibility of us succumbing to the temptations that's always before us. And Satan will always try to get us to succumb to those temptations. And that's why Paul tells us that we have no obligation, but we have no obligation to do what our sinful nature urges us to do. No obligation to do what Satan is trying to do in us. For if we live by it, it dictates, 
or its dictates, we will die. If we live by what it wants, we won't survive. But if through the power of the Spirit we put to death the deeds of our sinful nature, then we will live for all who are led by the Spirit of God are his children. And we have authority in Christ Jesus. It's the only way that we will ever see victory. And so how can we, we need to understand, how can we be led by the Spirit of God? What does that mean? What does that describe for us? How can we fix our mind on the things above? Well, Romans 8, again, Paul tells us those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind will lead to death. But letting the Spirit control your mind will lead to life. So we have this option before us. We can either be led by the sinful nature We can be led by our natural self. We can listen to what Satan is doing and be led down that path of unrighteousness. The scriptures tell us that those who are controlled by that will lead to death. Those things lead to death. Or the choice for us is to allow or to give ourselves to the Lord Jesus Christ, let him have control, allow him into our lives and be controlled by the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit's role in your life and my life is to direct us. When we allow the Holy Spirit to direct us and guide us and teach us how we should pray, then we become people or children of God who are growing in maturity. John 14 explains what the Holy Spirit does. When the Father sends the advocate as my representative, that's the Holy Spirit, He will teach you everything and remind you of everything I've told you, says Jesus. We have that Holy Spirit. And Jesus teaches us all things. He teaches us we can pray. He teaches us according to his spirit. Even when we don't know how to pray, Romans 8 goes on to tell us in verse 26, the Holy Spirit's help, Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit will pray for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And really that's the only way that we can pray effectively is to be guided by the Holy Spirit. There's only one way that we can come before our holy, awesome, powerful, omnipotent, omnipresent God, the God of the universe, and it is through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ and the work of the cross because apart from Christ's atoning work in my life and in your life, we deserve the condemnation as sinners. But because of what Christ has done, there is no condemnation now for those who are in Christ Jesus. But if we don't want to do that, our prayers would be rejected. If we want to to live by the spirit of our nature, our old nature, we are putting ourselves at odd against the one who has victory. 
Proverbs 15 tells us that the Lord detests the sacrifice of the wicked, but he delights in the prayers of the upright. And we need the Spirit's intercession because left to myself, left to yourself, we're really too weak. We are too weak. I'm not afraid to admit that. We may not like to admit it, that we really don't know as much as we would like to think that we know. But take God out of all of this equation, you and I don't have any any strength at all. Thanks be to the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Thank you for sending your Spirit, your Holy Spirit, because of what without the Holy Spirit we really have no idea. That's why Jesus told his disciples to don't go out and do all this stuff before you get the Holy Spirit. Wait for the Holy Spirit, he said. Wait for my advocate. Wait for the helper to come. And he will guide you into all truth. And we need to take that to ourselves and take that seriously. We, we need to come through the Holy Spirit because of, uh, of our Christ Saviour's Jesus Christ's sacrifice and come boldly into the prayer, the power of prayer before the throne of grace. Hebrews 4 tells us exactly to do that. Let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. Boldly that we might receive his mercy and we will, ref- we will find grace to help us when we need it the most. The only way that you and I can win this battle is with that we face is by coming to the throne of grace in humility, in complete submission to our Heavenly Father in accordance with the Holy Spirit, and that's how he will, run, he will direct us. Left to ourselves, we're too weak. That's also why corporate prayer is really so important. Not only do we stand together in corporate prayer, but we also gain boldness. There's, there's a courage that comes when we're praying together in unison. When we're praying together corporately, we can, we can come boldly before this throne of grace together. Our prayer meetings, I said it before, but they, they really need to be held daily. And they, they ought to be the most utilised ministry in the whole of the Christian church. Every believer has to face and overcome the, over, uh, the, the tempter. Every one of us faces that. And I want to encourage every one of us to prioritise at least one of the corporate prayer meetings that we have going in this, in this church. We can start more. We should be doing more regularly. I understand that. But we need to prioritise being in corporate prayer. The reality is that it's only when we understand the significance of the battle that's before us that we will sense the urgency to pray and we need to pray. We really do need to see that. And so while Satan is powerful and he's very deceitful, he's also a defeated foe and we don't need to worry about him. Being a follower of Jesus Christ means 
that we are free and alive to live our lives according to the Holy Spirit. We don't have to worry about the the influence of temptation because we have the power in Jesus Christ to be free from that, to avoid that. Being a follower of Jesus Christ means that we're free and alive to live our lives according to his, the Holy Spirit's guidance, not our sinful nature. It's the only way that we can have victory. It's the only way that we can see victory and be free from the power of sin in our individual lives and the life of the body of Christ. It's the only way. So next week, as we head into this series a little bit deeper, I want to show you how we can identify the Holy Spirit's voice because that's one of the questions that I, how do I know that this is God speaking to me? How do I know this is not just my will against what God wants me to do? How can I discern what is the Spirit of God and what is my own selfish desires? And we're going to talk about that next week. And I want to encourage you to to think about that, to begin to pray about that, to ask the Lord to to soften your heart if necessary, but to direct you to his word, to come into under his authority and to, to pray and to seek his will. Much of it has to do with knowing who he is because if we don't know the Lord Jesus Christ ourselves, we're going to struggle in everything, every single part of it. So I'm asking you this week to do a little bit of a self-evaluation thing. Spend some time doing this self-evaluation and see what areas of your life you really do need to switch off so that you can switch on to the power of the Holy Spirit that is within you. Because I'm sure every one of us has those things that we should be switching off. I will tell you something else. God has not given you too much to do in the time frame that you've got. The only reason we don't have enough time to do the things that we've got to do is because we fill it up with other things. And that's the problem. So evaluate yourself this week. Look at what you can switch off, even for a moment, even for a while, even for a, for a season, a period of time in your life and say, you know what, I'm going to just do away with this thing even for the six weeks of this series, perhaps, maybe at the end of it you'll think, I don't even need that thing. But what is it that you can switch off so that you can be tuned in to the voice of God? And I know God's going to bless us. Let me pray. Father, I thank you. Thank you for the power of your word. I thank you for the presence of your Holy Spirit. I thank you for the the instruction that you give us through your Holy Spirit to to live our lives, not just free from sin, but, Father, in the glorious adoration of our Heavenly Father. Father, teach us submission today to come humbly into your presence, to your throne of grace, full of mercy. Father, your desire is that none should perish, but all receive salvation through Jesus Christ you're not, impay- you're not being slow in, in come- sending son- your son Jesus Christ back, but you're being patient with us. 
because you don't want any one of us to perish. You don't want any of us to to miss out on the kingdom of heaven because you have this, this wonderful, glorious treasure waiting for us. You have so much more to show us, Lord. Help us to trust you that we might come humbly today. Put us to our knees if necessary for Lord. Help us to to confess those things that have been a distraction. Help us to to put aside the things that that have delayed hearing your voice so that we might be attuned to that. And this week, Father, as we do this self-evaluation as we look inward. Father, point us upward. Point us towards yourself. Father, help us to trust you, that you will take care of all of those things. Matthew tells us that, or Jesus you tells us that in Matthew. Don't worry about tomorrow. Today has enough problems of its own. Present your request to you, and we do that, Father. Help us to trust you. Help us to seek you. Help us to honour you. And I pray now, Father, that your name might be honoured in all areas of our life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.